0: Welcome to Stuff We've Seen. This is Jim. And now, I'm pleased to finally reveal the mastermind behind Andrea Riseborough's Oscar campaign, Teal. How's it going, buddy? It's going great. Yeah, no,
1: I uh, I just called up a few friends. That's that's really all I, you know.
0: You're well connected.
1: Just, I, I'm well connected. I just, I called up uh, Gwyneth and I said, uh, hey. <laughs> pleased to goopster. Check this movie out. Yeah check this check this flick out it's pretty it's
0: it's pretty good all your rich white powerful friends yeah well no i mean of course you know what the funny thing is is that (laughs) right i point out on that but let's face it, it it only exposed that this is what hollywood does with all of those actor nominations yes they all call their friends and tell them to see it and host screenings the only difference is a movie that no one had heard about and made $25,000 in the theater. 27. 27, sorry, got nominated. And all of the money that the studios put out for some of this trash Yeah, <laughs> that they didn't, that the <laughs> Academy didn't go for it didn't work.
1: And so, therefore, the system, if you can't buy your way in,
0: it's, it's, it's immoral. Yeah. And now, of course, the Academy is going to make some changes next year because – they don't want these little indies to to get right. all ahead not, of themselves. When,
1: if you're gonna spend twenty million dollars on an Oscar campaign, you you damn well are getting a nomination, right? I mean, if you can't buy your way into Hollywood, what's the point?
0: Yeah, and I think also, you know, the the, the social media blogosphere that covers movies. I don't even know what they consist of anymore. I think sometimes it's critics, but it's most people that just have a vested interest in pushing whatever agenda they want to push. Well, they're fans. Yeah, and they they decide a whole bunch of people, and they love and relish the power they seem to have by predicting the nominees. And yes. what they do is they throw in a whole pool, which you're guaranteed to get all the nominees <laughs> right. right if your pool is big enough. And then that leaves outside uh, – Extras, which then they right. love to go with the headline snubbed. snubbed they were snubbed yes,
1: because they were somehow entitled to a nomination.
0: Yeah, uh, and snubbing though has this connotation that they purposely left you off. Right,
1: that they there's something negative going on here. Oh, we don't want we don't want them to get nominated.
0: Right, and that's not how that process works. <laughs> no and it's isn't it, it's ranked choice right it's ranked choice and you get to submit 5 nominees and again people don't seem to understand this so i will explain it the way it goes for nominations is if you are in the academy as part of the actor branch yes. you get to vote for acting all four of those nominees yes. and you get to vote for best picture you don't yes. get to vote for anything else which is why sometimes the best picture list is different from say the best director list yes when it comes to the final awards you can vote on everything
1: right but for the nominations it's just those 1600 actors
0: it's uh, that's it yes 1600 actors yeah the producers don't get to they no. get to they get to only nominate in the producer branch cuz when you are Asked to join the academy, you might be invited under, say, writer or actor or director. Yes. But you can only go in under one. Yes. Um, but I don't think people understand that. So, you know, for all our throngs of listeners, I'm explaining that part to you. <laughs> yeah, let's let's
1: explain the Oscar. I mean, <laughs> I, I would guess that our listeners probably understand how this works.
0: I would hope so. Um, yeah. But if I if I if I can uh, impart a little bit of knowledge <laughs> onto the to the podcast listener, then they will go home and they'll be able to tell their friends and educate them. And then, yes, the 1600s or so people that are in the actors branch, yes, they may also be SAG voting members. However, the SAG pool is much larger. Is huge. So, yeah, you'll pretty much get a consensus and get several of the same people getting nominations, but not all the time. Right. And, (laughs) uh, you know, I mean, I don't know. Well, I think that's what happens is that in the SAG awards, you had nominees for um presumed best actress nominee right. Viola Davis for the Women King or the Woman King and for Daniel uh, Deadwater for uh, Till. Right. And then they don't show up. And of course, everybody who wants to make this a black white thing thinks that's the reason that they were right. left off for because the, this for Academy's the racist. Yeah. Yeah. And then on now on the point on the one point I will give is that when you look at the nominees, because everything is very subjective, yeah, it would. I could buy an argument that says, "Well, why is Andrea Anna De Armas' n- right. nomination for Blonde, where she's just playing Marilyn Monroe in a terrible movie, in a terrible movie, right?" And Andrea Riseborough, who got her friends at the last minute to push her nomination for a movie that nobody's seen, where she's playing another distressed white person. Alcoholic, down on their luck, trying to rise up by the bootstraps. Right. And Michelle Williams, oh, in a Spielberg movie that we're never going to see. So I can get that argument. Yeah, I get get it. I get it. But I wanted to contribute to the argument. I wanted to understand for myself. (laughs) I didn't, because I'm like, well, I don't know. Were they robbed? I don't know until I see the movies. So, well, so, but you saw Woman King. I watched Till this weekend and i watched the the woman king just finished that up recently okay now until daniel deadwater she's been around in other movies but i mean now her name is getting known right Right. so that is always a factor people in the academy it's tough but if you don't know the name you don't end up getting on the list Uh, that's that's And, and the movie didn't really break out It's Now, it's funny, I'd heard in one argument I read that somebody was saying that, well, uh, I don't understand why uh, a small movie like Till doesn't get recognition when a small movie like uh, To Leslie with Andrea, you know, Riseborough does. And I'm like, oh, you mean the movie that was shot for like a complete shoestring, which was To Leslie for maybe like a couple hundred thousand dollars. Versus the $30 million production of Till. Right. They're both small movies, but they're a little <laughs> different, okay? Um, <laughs> it's a little different, yeah. And mind you, so Till cost $30 million. It yeah. made $10 million in the theaters. Okay. So it did no better or worse than a lot of these other Oscar bait movies this fall that didn't do well. Um, I didn't see much promotion. It wasn't playing around me. Yeah, I was aware of it.
1: I saw reviews, but it didn't, I, I definitely didn't hear anyone talking
0: about it. And certainly an Oscar nomination would have boosted its, uh, you know, Absolutely. on streaming. Yeah. People would have been more likely to see it. That's how I I, I work. Like, oh, I want to see it because yeah. it got nominated. But because of the controversy, I decided I would watch it. And I also like, I like history, American history.
1: Yeah, no, and it's it's a
0: powerful and interesting story. That- yeah, and my son and I watched it, my oldest. He loves history, so we both watched it. And I had a lot of issues with the movie. It's, it's, it's really just... It's middle of the road. It kind of is told in that kind of classic Hollywood style that we know today. Yeah, I had a thought on that style, which I'll get to later. Okay, good, good. Because <laughs> um, it may come up again sooner than you think. Um, <laughs> and so that classic Hollywood style when you're telling either like a musical biopic or right. you're telling a historical thing. And you know, with digital uh, cinematography these days, I particularly find that most period pieces, they look very flat. Yes. And then not only are they shot on digital, there's a bad habit that happens where typically the cameras, they're moving them around on, um, steady cam. There doesn't seem to be a lot of planning of the shots. There's a lot of editing because they're just shooting a ton of footage.
1: Yes. And then just cutting it all together. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so, it really suffers, the filmmaking, unless you have a vision. I didn't see much of a vision going on in this movie. And the first half of the movie, you know, you go with those cliches, but it kind of – it's pretty good. Unfortunately, the second half um, drags, and there's a few decisions that I thought were really powerful in the movie. But otherwise, it's like, whatever. And it took years to get this story to people, and I think that – I can imagine, like, what it could have been done in different filmmaking hands, a different time of filmmaking. Well,
1: and who knows what a script has to go through in years of trying to get something made. I mean, actually, I know. But I got to say, it's, uh, you know, the movie that comes out at the end of that, there's been a lot of hands in the pot.
0: And I actually don't think that the script was that bad, but I think in a different director – and I don't know who the director would have been, but a different director with a little bit more vision, I think right. there would have been some changes to the script, but I think they could have made – this was a, a good movie that had the potential to be great. Right. Now, within it, Danielle Deadwater's performance was a knockout. And I would have probably, you know, depends on, you know, I don't I don't get to vote. But, I mean, if I looked at all the performances and I got to choose five, she may have very well been one of them. Okay. But not on your top ten list. That movie wasn't good enough, no. Um, <laughs> but but I mean, I think that was her. So, yeah. okay. But when, what happens is sometimes when the movie's not very good, that gets lost in the shadow. Yeah. And I think that, unfortunately… Again, and I don't make. I'm not making it this about race, but in a competitive year, and this year in the actress category, yeah, very competitive, competitive. Yeah, you. She was also competing against, and unfortunately, unfairly against a much more noted and popular actress, Viola Davis. Right. Who probably had it built into her contract for an Oscar campaign, and because that's what a lot of actors yeah, do in these yeah, films that gonna, that the yeah. studio is going to back them, and. There was probably a lot of votes. She didn't end up in the top five, but there was probably a lot of votes for her for The Woman King, which I yeah. also wanted to see because of this argument and wanted to just kind of wrestle with it. And in this case, I found that The Woman King deserves a place on my top 10. What? Of the worst films of the year. <laughs> this movie was an absolute bag of crap I it, it, from, the, from the script, which was terrible, which is, by the way, this is a story written of,
1: by two white women. Yes.
0: Written by two white women. And I don't know why that's not a conversation that's happened. Right. The sto- it's like a cartoon and yes. this is the kind of epic you get these days in the marvelization of movies. It is totally a marvelized movie. Yes, I totally agree. Yes. The way that the heroes types are uh, are kind of created, the little, I mean, the, the backstory about Viola Davis <laughs> having this daughter yeah. and that coming in, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? This is just terrible. I don't think, I mean, Viola Davis is never bad, but the, the but to me- not only should she have not been part of the conversation. I don't even think her role is big enough. I don't. I, I think it's
1: she's, not. It's it, it's not bigger than Michelle Williams' role. No, and she's not the main character. She is not.
0: But I think that if Viola, if there's if Viola Davis wasn't really looking out her own interest, she might have said, you know what? It's very competitive this year. Yeah. I really, I don't have to be nominated for everything. But I mean, maybe she believes in the story and she's bought the Kool Aid, but. I think that she could have put a lot of weight behind Daniel Deadwater getting a nomination. But part of that, like you said at the the beginning of this, is
1: that, you know, it's built into the contract. That's part of the promotion of the movie. Uh, And you're also contracted to show up and do uh, Oscar nomination interviews. Yeah. Right. Like, it's just, that's part of the system. It's like, she, you know, she can't say, you know, I'm going to step aside. No, that's built in. That's uh, like, yeah, everyone's under
0: contract to do that. When I said this marvelization, there are these there are these two action pieces in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and the last one, you know, I'm sorry, I've seen Game of Thrones. I've seen all of the epic movies like Braveheart and stuff. Now you're giving me a sanitized PG-13, looks like a Marvel thing of actors duking it out. Um, and, and it just, it was boring. And it's not exciting. <laughs> and there's just no imagination to this clash. And, you know, I saw a couple of days ago on Criterion that... They yeah. have this series based on a very famous manga book, um, and it's Lone Wolf and and yeah and Cub, and yeah. N- not PG thirteen. No, and I never, I didn't. I mean, I had no visibility to it, but I, I I discovered this through the the insane BFI critics list. Right, I started to. Watched a couple of these Japanese movies, and I love the cinematography. And they had a feature on that cinematographer. That cinematographer yeah. had done one of those uh, Cub movies, and so I decided to watch that. And within just like five minutes, oh yeah, the action is over top. There are there are sword slicing. Oh, but- just out of control. Yeah, <laughs> and there's blood splurting everywhere. It's stuff that ter- only Tarantino has brought that to American cinemas in his yes. movies. But there was something so fantastic and ridiculous. And I'm thinking to myself, if this this crazy, stupid (laughs) Woman King movie really wanted to elevate itself, it would have created a style, been rated R, and gone full-talk just insane.
1: I totally agree. But this is a product of the Hollywood machine. It is a product.
0: But it's a ter- But it, that's the problem. Is that now it's now oh, a subpar I, product. I, inter-
1: I understand where you're coming from, but the movie made money. There it didn't make money. Oh, it, it
0: didn't. No, worldwide it made ninety million. Oh, and it cost like fifty or so million dollars to make. So oh, no, okay. it didn't make that much. I thought it made more, and it wasn't. Oh, a- okay, I
1: was under the impression that it had been kind of a hit. So well, okay. I mean,
0: in the pandemic times, it's more of a hit than say the fable <laughs> was. Okay, let's move on. No. Yes. No, because this is an important lead in all this crap (laughs) to the top 10. Oh, you're worst. You're worst. Yeah. Well, no, I'm just saying that that this is all this discussion, of course, leads in to To our our top top 10s, which there's been years because of the pandemic and otherwise, it was really hard to kind of create a top 10. It was. And
1: this year was not quite as hard uh, because,
0: I don't know, I feel like this was a great year for movies. I did find 10 movies that I really, really liked, some I loved, and I found myself with like the first time in a long time, some runners-up that I thought were really good and I at least want to mention, and I feel like you as well. Yeah, and some of my runners-up, I
1: I feel like I found, you know, 14 films that I really liked. There are two films on here that I think are destined to become classics.
0: We're, we're going to pick a, a few films out of our top 10, uh, kind of Siskel and Ebert style. And then what we'll do is we'll reveal our runner-ups and the list of our top 10s and then save each of our number ones um, for the last which unless you changed your order i think we have the same number one i think that uh, if you're if you have your list handy you know that not all of your choices are the same as mine so maybe pick pick a start with a choice that you want to talk about briefly that i haven't put on my list for whatever reason okay i will start with northman That did not make my top 10. However, I put it in my runner-up category, and I actually saw this one in the theater. Yeah, you did. Yeah, and I want to point out (laughs) that we talked about this movie, I feel like, when we first came back on the air together. Yeah. And you were, like, not so hot on it. I was lukewarm on it. Yeah, and I was like, really? And you made me kind of feel bad that I liked it, and you didn't. (laughs) Sorry about that. And now it's on your top 10. (laughs) Well, so,
1: okay, here's why. I was... (laughs) I, I was excited about this movie. I'm a fan of Eggers. I thought this movie is, uh, is going to be great. And uh, so I went in with maybe too high
0: expectations. And yet I had those same expectations and I felt like mine were met only because I didn't, I didn't think he could top the lighthouse and he didn't.
1: You know, after thinking about it some more and sitting with it and months go by and there's certain shots and moments that keep coming back to me. And as time goes on, more and more, I want to watch the movie again. And so I realized that the movie, that my disappointment was based on my expectations, not based on the reality of the movie. And the movie is actually, and this is sort of one of my criteria this year, is the movies that kind of stuck with me a little bit. Because if you had asked me six months ago, I would have said, no way Northman's going to be on my, my top 10. But... Um, looking back, yeah, it actually got under my skin a little bit and stayed with me. And, uh, I do think I'll watch it again. And I think it's going to stick around for a while. I I think, I think it's going to have some legs.
0: Yeah. Now I think you said something important and that is sometimes, and I know this for some people, they literally, it's the time that they watch it in the theater and then that's it. And some people feel like the only time your opinion should count as the first time. Right. I am on the other opinion is that sometimes a movie, I like parts of it, something's going on, I can't quite jive with it, but then I leave the theater and it doesn't leave me and that's what I know I'm on to something. Exactly. And you're describing that with the Northmen and I think in our last episode when we were talking about the Oscar nominations, I mentioned I had the same thing happen to me with the Banshees and the Sheeran that I walked out of the movie kind of like, oh, it was a little bit of a disappointment, yet I still couldn't stop right. talking about it to people, and then I was like, oh, i got to see that again, and then I loved it the second time around. So I feel like the good movies are ones that you just don't always put your finger on, but you know something's there. And I just
1: think reevaluation is good. We age; we uh, our perspectives change. We learn new things in life. Uh, a movie I watch now, I'm not gonna have the same response to. I would have, particularly if it has themes about aging or you know that kind of or parenthood. They're like parenting movies connect with me on a totally different level
0: now. Yeah, I agree. There are certain films that I just wasn't old enough to appreciate, and now I appreciate it a different way.
1: Yeah, and so reevaluating things, I feel like, is the sign of actually good criticism.
0: Which, by the way, when I was a kid and it was one of the first radar movies I ever saw in the theater, Caddyshack was one of my favorites of that year, and I reevaluated. <laughs> yeah. It's still a classic, but probably not in the top. <laughs> probably yeah. not. So, yeah. All right, so I'm going to go and throw out one. Okay. And we don't have to spend too much time on this, but. I probably had no more fun at a movie theater and enjoyed myself more than when I went into the IMAX theater back for the first time in a few years from the pandemic and saw Top Gun Maverick. And if you could have told me (laughs) before (laughs) I saw Top Gun Maverick that that would have any place in the top 10, I would have thought you were crazy. (laughs) but here it is here we are but i realized something that somehow especially it has everything going against it right yeah you have a 30 year old sequel you know (laughs) tom cruise there like and the top gun movie you know there's like big fan base for it but i mean you know it's a pretty formula stuff yeah and you know what could they possibly do how could they make this a good sequel considering sequels are usually not as good anyway somehow they pulled it off Tom Cruise is, you know, he's a lot of things and there's certain things to not like about Tom Cruise, but what you can like about it is, and we've talked about this, his respect for the filmmaking process and the idea that if you want to excite an audience and give them an experience and get them into the theater, you got to give them something that isn't just, Oh, a CGI and we can watch it and go, Oh, this is fake. No, for top gun to really be great. You have to actually get big, big, huge IMAX cameras and put them into a an airplane and fly them. <laughs> so there was this other
1: airplane movie that came out uh, in the fall, which I can't remember the name of.
0: It's got the guy that's in Top Gun in it, right?
1: Yeah. Haven't seen it. So the trailer came on and my 10-year-old says, is this just a Top Gun ripoff with lots of CGI? Mm. And she could tell from the trailer that it was all CGI. And since we saw Top Gun, she's become obsessed with Tom Cruise for the sole reason that he does so many of his own stunts without CGI. And she just thinks that's so cool to watch him, you know, underwater or jump out of a plane or whatever it is. She just thinks that's the coolest thing. And that's part of what's cool about this movie is that it's real. Not in my top ten.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't agree with that, but it's okay. <laughs> well, it's We're in my runner-ups. That.
1: Okay, well, <laughs> it's it's in, it, it's high up in my runner-ups. It just didn't quite make my top ten, and uh, but you know, I wouldn't.
0: Uh... Other years, maybe it doesn't get in there, but this year it did. So I mean, it look it film going in theaters was on its freaking deathbed. And yes. this is the movie that saved it because the first movie that brought in, well, I mean, Spider Man. Okay, you know, yeah, see,
1: Spider Man.
0: Like, but this movie brought in people of all ages, including the age group that wasn't going to the theaters because they were afraid That's of COVID. True. Hey, I'm not disagreeing with you having this on your it top was, ten. But, but, but let's but, face it did you did, were were you not were you not entertained? <laughs> Oh no, I, I look it's it's in my top fifteen. Okay. Well, I mean <laughs> I don't know. But anyways, uh, I think that you'll know by now and we I mentioned it but we'll, you know, say it again that when each of us are discover disco, discovering discussing a, a film from our top ten, yeah. it's probably a movie that's not in the other person's top ten. But we won't exactly have a well
1: cover. And I it. did have this idea: what if we came up with a mutual top ten? But I, I I think there'd be too many disagreements to make that. Well, happen. we're gonna
0: find that out because because I'm guaranteeing <laughs> you there's gonna be disagreements before we're done. All right. So now Teal is gonna present another entry from his top ten of 2022.
1: Uh, that's not on your list. I'm going to go with Neptune
0: frost. I'm a little disadvantaged because I have not seen Neptune frost. I haven't seen it, which is always the case where I'm always talking about a movie and you haven't seen, so we can't go into it too much. Uh, for the folks going, what the hell is this? Maybe you can just give a little flavor
1: man, it, it's such a weird movie and this is probably why part of the reason it's on my list is that it's kind of stayed with me. And part of the reason it stayed is because it's so weird. So it's about some minors in Africa who. <sighs> oh, man, Okay. So it's a musical Okay, about transsexual minors who uh, in Africa, who hear this call and come to this mountain where they form a hacker collective to put love and poetry out into the world. This sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it is the weirdest freaking movie ever. It's Afrofuturist. It's uh, it, And it's gotten lots of awards. It's gotten g- good critical response. I'm not alone. But... That said, you have to be up for this kind of movie in order to watch it. So it's, it, there's some other things on my list where I'm going, yes, everyone should see this movie. Top Gun, well, Top Gun Mavericks. <laughs> see, you really want to put it on. But there's some other ones where, I'm, uh, where I say, yeah, everyone should see this movie. Neptune Frost is on my list because it's an oddity that has stayed with me. And I haven't seen another movie like it, and it's just so weird. And there's a song in it called uh, Fuck Mr. Google. Okay, didn't get nominated for best song. Apparently, didn't get nominated for best song, and I don't understand why. But uh, so this is just a weird little movie, and it stuck with me. And I'm not going to argue that it's a cinematic masterpiece that everyone needs to see, uh, but it's definitely one of the most unique movies I saw in 2022.
0: I feel like you're just trying to be the outlier with your list that that uh, you're too afraid to put like mainstream movies on there, so you're you're trolling for these oddities. I've got I've got mainstream <laughs> okay. movies on my list. All right, well, if I end up seeing this Neptune Frost and then I don't feel like it's anywhere near as good as Top Gun Maverick, I'm going after you. <laughs> you will definitely no. You're going to hate this movie. All right, well, you know what? I mean, maybe now I realize that. Uh, I'm doing it wrong. I I shouldn't be the one that's seeing all these BFI top uh, (laughs) critics films. You are because you're the one that would probably put these movies on there. Um, And uh, and we'll get to that at some point this year, kids. I have been on an insane mission to see some of the most pretentious movies of all time.
1: And we will be talking about it. More than once.
0: By the way, which is another thing where Teal roped me into it. He like lured me, he threw his little net out there and he (laughs) he saw me swimming around and I took a nibble and then he laughed because he didn't end up watching any of them, but he got me to watch them all.
1: (laughs) Well, okay, but you got to understand this wasn't just, this wasn't, you know, done out of spite. Well, no, because like, the list comes up, you tell me about the list, like, and yes. so I go and, and look at it. Well, because and- I was all excited about the list, and I thought, I'm going to watch all the movies on the list. And I started watching them, and then a few things happened in my life, okay. and, and I didn't watch any movies for about four or five weeks. Well, here's what's crazy, because
0: we've already told them that you know you had COVID, and that's like the perfect time to watch these movies, and you didn't watch any. So, yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know why? No.
1: No. No, okay, you don't agree with my argument.
0: No, anyways, um, <laughs> we're gonna okay, go Okay, so what to, do you got? I got all right. So, hey, I you know what? Just because we're seeming to be going on, one guy's <laughs> doing the art stuff and the other guy's doing the mainstream. I am. I, it's funny because part of me, I feel like how you just put Neptune Frost on there because it's this oddity and it stayed with you. Well, yeah. I have kept this one off of the runners up list and keep it like you know dangling at the end of my top ten. And I realized that if I keep putting it on there. Uh then there must be a reason. And it's because this movie had no business being this good because all of the other sequels have been terrible. And yet this movie was such a delight, and it's the biggest head-scratcher of the year that the studio didn't put it out in theaters, and they just put it streaming, and that is Prey. Yes. The um, Predator prequel, (laughs) if you will. Yeah. This is a movie that... Was just a great, great, awesome uh, premise for a story. Yeah, and Amber uh, Midhunter is fantastic. Great discovery, and I loved every minute of it. <laughs> so how can I? I can't argue if I loved every minute of it. <laughs> I can't totally argue
1: with it either, except because <laughs> I love the movie too. I watched it with my daughter. Totally enjoyed it, but. I just, I I don't know. It's in my top fifteen, but I just couldn't quite put it in the top ten because I realized that I totally enjoyed it, but it didn't stay with me.
0: Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't spend every waking minute when I hit my pillow thinking of prey, but <laughs> I mean, but there,
1: but there, there are some movies on my list that I have been thinking about daily.
0: Okay, I mean, it's just. For me, this is the year where I feel like Hollywood—they did do a few things <laughs> right.
1: It's so funny that you're that this is how it's ended up that you're you're doing the uh, the, the mainstream and I'm doing the art stuff.
0: Well, only because I know that you didn't put these mainstreams on there, and I'm yeah. we're not going to talk. I don't want to cover movies that we might be covering when we reveal our top tens that right. we both saw. We did see a lot. We both have a lot of the same movies in we our do. top ten. Yeah, right. So I'm just looking for the differences. And I know that these are movies that you liked because you were on your runner ups, and you just didn't have the guts to put them on your top ten. I because just didn't, yeah. <laughs> but I'll put you. I'm going to put the Pepsi Challenge as much as the visual effects are great, and it's a lot of action and stuff. I liked Prey better than I liked Avatar: Way of Water. Oh, me too. Yeah, it's like, hmm. I'm going to spend. Two hundred and fifty million dollars, all these amazing effects, and I'm gonna basically tell the same story except for the parts I steal from other movies. <laughs> and that's it. And it was yeah, like and, and that's what
1: apparently what audiences love. So
0: Yeah, but I don't think that people are going there because of the story. I think they're going there because if you go and see it on a big screen with the with the high frame yeah. rate, and the 3D, you walk away for your fifteen dollars with three hours of an amusement park ride, and that's a pretty good And that's pretty good value. That's exactly what my wife said. Yeah, that's the only reason. And I think that's what gets you in. And I still give them credit for making something that, I mean, to me, when you see – the practical effects of Top Gun, and you see the amazing CGI motion capture effects of Avatar, and then you watch the trailer for Ant-Man Quantumania, you're <laughs> oh like, no, that's not right. <laughs>
1: that's not right. You can't What's see going movies like here? that ever
0: again because they don't look good. They look really fake now. They look see terrible. It yeah, they look terrible. All right, so give me another one on your list.
1: That's not on your list. Uh, Robert Zemeckis' Pinocchio. Stop.
0: No, (laughs) that's not that would maybe be in your worst. You didn't see it. No, no, give me another, give me a film.
1: I'm gonna go with one that I'm pretty sure you hated. Okay, well, you're making assumptions. I am. I'm gonna go with The Eternal Daughter.
0: Eternal Daughter, (laughs) tell us about that movie, Teal. Okay, so first of all, how do you know even I, I saw it? I told you I'd started it, but I told you I had things to watch.
1: Uh, No, I'm just guessing that if you watched it, you didn't like it. Okay. Um, And I have very specific reason for liking it. Okay. I realize that this is a personal reason.
0: Well, movies are personal.
1: Yeah. And so, uh, okay, so this is a movie about a woman played by Tilda Swinton. And I'm just going to give away the movie because. Nope,
0: nope, nope, nope. Are you going to give away a movie I haven't seen? What, oh, you haven't seen what, it? Why would you do that?
1: Okay, I won't You're going give to have to
0: talk about it in a way that you're going to... If this is on your top 10, you defend it on your top 10 and give people reasons to want to watch it.
1: Okay. So, uh, Tilda Swinton... Man, it's hard to talk about this without giving it away, but Tilda Swinton gives a really interesting, intimate performance. It is about a woman and her mother and their relationship and dealing with their memories and how they relate to each other. And this movie takes place in an old family house that has been turned into an inn. And the mother grew up there. And so she has this, and and the daughter has taken her there to sort of uh, relive some of her memories. And as those memories come back, some of them are happy, but a lot of them are really tragic and sad. Uh, and so it's, it's really just this mother daughter story. And my family has an old house like this that was turned into an inn. Okay. And yeah, so, I mean, it's really specific why I connected with it personally, like that specific. And so the whole movie to me, I couldn't stop thinking about my mother and my grandmother. Hmm. And that they were the characters in this movie. Interesting. So, just and so it's not the most, pretty much, I think there's three, maybe four actors in this movie. And it's 90% Tilda Swinton. And I got caught up in her performance. It could be like, you know, this could be done basically on stage. Almost,
0: right? And, like, well, maybe not. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to stop you. Look, you're doing yeah. a terrible job of describing this movie because <laughs> I have seen the whole film. Okay, but you told to you. me not to give it away. Right, because we shouldn't give it away because I could tell you about this without giving it away. Okay. Um, it, you know, there's, there's a pseudo... Ghost story component to the movie. That's Which, not something that like is giving away. That's it. Like if anybody okay. looks up, what the hell is this about? That's right. Kind of, but here's the we, thing is that I saw that in the description and that was not the movie well, to me at well, all. Well, that's why it's the false advertising. Yeah. Um, however, there's a moody atmosphere and the yes. cinematography. Now, when I, I keep bagging, this is where, this is why it pays off that we talked about Till and the, the woman King, right? Yeah. Two movies that would have benefited greatly from being shot on film. Yes. And, oh, here's a little film. Well, It's shot on film, it's shot on 16 millimeter, and it's the perfect format for this movie. Yes. It adds, I mean, again, people, there's always some producer out there will be like, well, there's no difference between film and (laughs) and digital. Well, there is, because there's there's stuff that achieved in this movie that you can't achieve on digital. You just can't. Right, absolutely. And, And it's like with the fog and that, like, just that soft, dreamy look to it. Yeah. And then, of course, that big shot at the end. The cinematography changes over the course of the film. That uh, rise oh, that shot at the up is is so great, yes. but you wouldn't get that same look in digital. Yeah. Um, now, the the uh, the notion that this movie is on your top ten is ridiculous <laughs> because <laughs> because I feel like this movie has actually got a lot of faults, both from a script level and the direction level, and partly because she's trying to preserve a twist that you can sense from the very first like moments of the movie. Okay. So here's the the way she shot it, right? When she shot it, where you never in a two shot, it was like a giveaway from the very beginning of the movie. And it never, and I never, and I wasn't caught up in that at all ever, except for the fact that here's why I wanted to give away the movie
1: is because I didn't think there was a, when that quote unquote twist reveal happened, I was like, well, yeah, that uh, uh, of course, but and so I didn't see it as like no, a reveal. No, but the problem is
0: the director. She doesn't seem to understand that, and she's trying to keep things where I feel like if you in midway in the movie. Revealed you could have gone in an interesting direction, but instead, and I remember you probably saw it by yourself. I'm watching it with my wife, and so we're oh. having we're having some discussions as it's going on, and you're too focused on what the hell is she doing as a director that you lose some focus on what they're talking about because you're too much fixated on what is she doing with all this stuff? Like, why are they in like an empty in where you have the. I person. understand
1: that that was your perspective, but I didn't have any of those questions because to me, in the first five minutes, all of that stuff was totally obvious to me. And so I didn't think about it at all. It was I so just...
0: obvious, but I didn't know why she kept on going that way. <laughs> um, because well, then there's I... still things, there's lots of unanswered questions in the movie, and it adds up to the decision she makes as a filmmaker that still add to a lot of confusion. Yeah, I wasn't confused at all. Oh, so, so the caretaker guy, talk, talk to me yeah. about him then. Well, it, uh, and, and the fact that, like, why is there nobody there or other people there or why don't we see them? And there's just, and then the, the front desk clerk, what's with her and 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 the boyfriend guy and, like, why is she giving her such a freaking hard time through the whole, the whole movie? Right. And then there's like, well, then I'm like, we're like, like, okay, there's just one. Well, she's delivering two plates. So the question, is she real, This not? And why not? Like, it doesn't pay off to answers. It just leaves you with a bunch of questions. And I feel like because she's trying to preserve some mystery, she put yeah. things in there as sort of false flags. See, I thought the whole mystery part was metaphorical.
1: It's about this character looking for this part of themselves that they can't identify
0: or make sense of. I also found that Tilda Swinton playing both parts was a distraction, um, because she didn't really look that much different. She looked a little older, but then after a while, <laughs> I got caught up in the wig, the wig, but she's the not, but she's She was not like, playing another. I, I character. understand. She's and playing it's like, her memory of another I, character. I know, and I would have seen that in other movies. Now, I will say that if you like this movie, but yeah. you didn't like men, because I found that those were like traipsed around very similar ground. Um, in a lot of ways. And and my wife was also reminded of men as well. Yeah. Um, and she liked that a lot, but I, I didn't like men.
1: I didn't like men.
0: But I will offer you, and maybe it's another thing too, because I saw two other movies that also felt very f- familiar. You should check out Robert Altman's Images. Oh, yeah. I've been wanting to see that. Yeah. That's one that you should check out. And then- uh, There's another film that kind of escapes me, but you should know something about the director. Um, She's been kind of having this dialogue about her and her mom for several films that that happen in the Souvenir and Souvenir Part 2.
1: Yeah, which I have not seen.
0: Yeah. And Tilda Swinton plays the mom and then her real daughter plays the daughter in these movies. And they have the same names as the characters in this movie. Oh,
1: intro. Okay. So it is thematically
0: tied. They're not supposed to be direct, but she imagines in a sense, it's the same dialogue that she's having a sense with her mom and her mom was not well during the filmmaking and her mom passed away during the editing. Oh, intros. Okay, I didn't know any of those. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I mean, I, there's a lot to yeah. chew on in this movie, and I didn't dislike the film. But the thought that like Tilda Swinton would be in the conversation for best actress <laughs> or best picture, I wasn't buying any of what you're you were shilling out. I here's the thing. I
1: I didn't care about any of those other trappings of the movie while I was watching it because they all seemed so obvious to me. So I stopped thinking. I got caught up in her performance, and no, I this. Didn't. <laughs> And this mother daughter story. And uh, I was
0: um, emotionally affected by it. At one point when the mom was talking about like her, her days during like the war, the world war two, when they were staying there, I was like, well, she's skipping the part where they find the wardrobe. (laughs) And then my wife's like What wardrobe What are you talking about I said you know the one They go into Narnia Um, I couldn't help But make some cracks But my favorite moment Of the whole thing You hear Like it sounded like Those great old I I liked that they had Like the ghost sound The ghost music From like the 70s And then the caretaker's like Oh I hope my flute Hasn't bothered you (laughs) Who's the greatest (laughs) You know There's some stuff That I liked in the movie And I And I would give it A minor recommendation For certain audiences um, Yeah but, I mean, it's not a strong recommendation. It's not for the people who are hoping for a horror story. It is definitely not
1: a horror story. I don't even consider it a genre exercise, which, like, some of the critics were saying. I it, To me, the genre stuff is just, like, window dressing. To me,
0: that's part of the problem is that she, she didn't have the guts to go one way or the other. And it's a mixture that doesn't quite fully work out for me. Um, cause it's like also that mother movie, the father, it kind of reminded me a little bit about that. I didn't too. see that.
1: Yeah. Oh no. I you, you saw, did, the saw the yes, father. Yes. Yeah. I, I the didn't Hopkins. see, I didn't see the sequel. Yeah. The sequel. Yeah. The son. <laughs> you're joking. <laughs> no, I'm not joking.
0: No, no, no. I mean, I know that it's like, I know that, uh, that's the next movie he made, but it's not a sequel. Oh, it's not. No. Oh, okay. I thought it was no, a sequel. It's the same it was guy like a- who made the movie and it's probably his next play that he adapted oh
1: okay so anyhow yeah i uh i i see where you're coming from on eternal daughter i still like it
0: i can't believe you made me watch it but that's okay (laughs) Uh, but let's put it this way i'm a little bit more suspect on neptune frost now (laughs) both movies i predicted you wouldn't like so i was right i haven't seen neptune but believe me i wasn't gonna go rushing off and like do some (laughs) kind of midnight watch of neptune frost after eternal daughter um but, uh, and I wouldn't, and you know what, if you didn't tell me, I probably would have, just because I couldn't get through like after the first half hour of the souvenir. And partly because the, she play it's like a version of Joanna Hogg in the 80s at like okay. film, at film school. And she has this really detestable boyfriend in the movie. And he is so awful, a person and a character that you can't understand why she'd spend five minutes with the guy. And oh, it makes wow. it almost impossible to watch.
1: Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I ha- I mean, I've heard about those movies. I know that people like them. I know that Martin Scorsese is a big fan.
0: Well, didn't Scorsese produce this or executive produce Eternal Daughter? Yeah. Yeah. He's, it, it, she's like a protege of Scorsese. Hmm. So anyways, that was your, uh, I think that was
1: your third. That was my, my last one that I think is not on your list.
0: I'm going to give one more and then we will do our top tens. Yeah. We'll probably have stuff to say there. Um, and now I have to find one that you haven't... Oh, okay. Well, I guess this one isn't on your list. Don't ask me why, but I know you weren't as hot on it even from the beginning as me. Yeah. Um, And this is a film that... This one's almost like embarrassing to have on there now because everybody has it on there. Right. It's everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, I'd heard some things about it, and I went... My entire family, we went to the theater. Oh, you went with the whole family. Okay. Yeah, we went and saw the theater, and... I just, I didn't know anything about what the movie was about. And so I took it in fresh, fresh eyes, and I just really loved it. I just thought it was very innovative, unique story, um, well told, and it really felt like it was getting itself into trouble and it could never unravel itself to kind of conclude. And yet it does. And I loved it and I thought it was a great film and I'm not uh, disappointed That it's getting the accolades and getting nominations, and do I think it's the best film of the year? No, but if it does end up being the best picture, which I got a sense that it might be the consensus choice this year, I'll be fine with it. You know, and then it'll probably be not as good anymore because it wins best picture, and anything that wins best picture at the Oscars is (laughs) is
1: ruined, is
0: immediately suspect. But
1: uh, yeah, it's poor parasite. It was such a good movie, and then it was ruined.
0: Yeah, but it's on the um, BFI critics list top 100. so That's true. You know, and now it's really ruined. Um, so anyways, I, I know you saw it twice and you liked it more the second time, but yet you've just never fallen in love with it. I have no criticism of the movie.
1: And in fact, hearing you talk about it, I'm like, yeah, I should probably bump Eternal Daughter for that. You're being
0: more of the critic having to pick those artier things it, it got to you. I mean, look at you. I know that the Eternal Daughter and you explained your reasons. It it made you emotional. Yeah. And I didn't it didn't make me emotional at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, and but and like I
1: said right at the beginning, this was a personal feeling, right? I like I'm not recommending the movie. It just got to me.
0: You know one of the things that I liked about every thing everywhere all at once it was one of the moments that i said boy this really is great is the two filmmakers they borrow a lot in paying homage to certain filmmakers and stuff especially towards the end and of course it ties in because this is this person's state of mind because i never for once believed that any of this really happened it's just her life is going into complete chaos yeah and so she's manifesting all of this um and there's probably people that believe that she really went into a multi dimension and stuff, and great, great on them. But what I love is that in that, she is experiencing things that her and her husband probably experienced together, and different sort of movies are playing out. Yeah. And they find a way to actually borrow, like, uh, film clips from her. Yes. In other movies, because she's got a long history. Yeah. And then they do something that I've never seen anybody do before, and they actually, I guess, spoof or pay homage to Wong Wai. Yeah. And I thought that Absolutely. was genius. I'm like, I've never seen anybody do that. And it's just all the things they do in that, I think, are things that may go over the heads of some viewers. Right. Because they're not being so obvious, and I like that. Have you seen it more than once? I have not.
1: Okay. And it still stayed with me, so. So I, I, the first time I saw it, I was thrown off by the pacing. It's a long movie, and I think that's why it was great to be trapped in a theater. But part of it is I just felt a little bit unmoored by the pacing. I couldn't quite click into the film. And so I sort of knew that, that I hadn't quite clicked with it the first time. And so I was able to put that aside the second time or at least i knew what i was getting into and so i wasn't as confused i i liked it a lot more the second time and i like the film a lot i just haven't fallen in love with it i don't know why everyone else loves this movie i feel like something's wrong with me that like i i, I don't think there's anything wrong with the movie i think the movie's fantastic it should probably be on my top 10 and for some reason i'm just not and, and part of this is everyone else i feel like is it, that's probably why it's not on my top 10 list is because everyone
0: else has gone so gaga in love over this movie. You're a kind of guy that you, you don't like it when the herd comes in and, and, and likes your thing. So like if everybody and their brother starts liking the Northmen... Forget it. In the Eternal Daughter, <laughs> if you got throngs of people loving the Eternal Daughter or Neptune Frost, then they're probably going off your list. But, but, but no. But, but my point
1: is that like I just I I have I didn't go head over heels for this movie.
0: And if I look at your list now, because we're going to get into the top tens in a second, I look at your list and I see that there isn't a box office smash on your entire top ten. Oh my God, you're right. Right. And so you really do like to go uh, uh, against the grain. Um, <laughs> now, here's what we're, we're going to do. You're going to you're going to say what your runner-ups are. Then you're going to list from 10 down to one, your okay. top 10, except don't tell us your number one. Okay. okay? Runner-ups. Pray. Mm-hmm.
1: You won't be alone. Okay. Which I don't think you saw. I didn't see it,
0: but I think it's on the Neptune Frost vibe. It's not at all. Naomi Riposte or whatever. She's got a small part in it. Oh, okay. She's got a small part. I do want to see it, it, and I'm glad you have it on there because it reminds
1: me I do need to see that. It's basically if Terrence Malick directed a folk horror film. Okay. And I do like folk horror, so I, I do want to check that out. And and when I say Malick, I mean, it's literally like a Malick copy. Top Gun Maverick.
0: Okay. Got to run her up.
1: Um, X. Okay. Which uh, was a tough call for me, I'll get to in a minute Uh, Fablements
0: Great, it's not quite, see, it's not in the top ten, it wasn't, he never loved it, but he liked it a lot Yeah, exactly (laughs) Uh,
1: Everything, everywhere, all at once
0: Now I noticed that you left off a runner-up I did? You left off Nope
1: Oh. Well, you had it as 11,
0: and I'm like, that doesn't yeah, no, count. It it, it, no, it just ended up there.
1: No, it's going in my uh, it's going in my runner-up.
0: I'll put nope in my runner-up. And, and that did not make even my runner-up, because that was a <laughs> very middle-of-the-road genre movie that the, uh, the cult of Jordan Peele wants to elevate into something greater. Than okay, the
1: so here you are reacting to the cult, right? So I'm not aware of the cult of Jordan Peele. So to me, this is just a really fun – blockbuster B movie. Yeah,
0: there's a cult, a cult that thinks that Get Out is one of the greatest movies of all time and that is even before it made the BFI critics list.
1: Yeah. And okay.
0: That same cult that thought that uh what's it called uh Us should have been nominated for best picture and was upset that it wasn't. And then that same cult that <laughs> felt that uh there's like what was it AO Scott thinks it's the best film of the year.
1: Yeah, that's insane. Yeah,
0: I, uh, but there's a cult. There's a cult that wants to hold Jordan Peele up as the savior of cinema. Okay, so I disagree with those
1: people. I don't think Nope is some great masterpiece that has a lot to say about the plight of the modern human, but uh I thought it was really enjoyable and fun. And uh it, it also was commercially successful, so,
0: you know, it's somewhat less. Um, all I know is that I went and saw it with my family in, in, in IMAX, and that was great because it was shot in like IMAX and yeah. 70 millimeter, and it was amazing looking, and got out of it and happened to be back in, in Massachusetts, and the rest of my family met us for lunch at the nearby place after the movie, and they were like, oh, how was that movie? And we were like, oh, really liked it, and my wife really liked it a lot, and they got so excited about it that they went and saw it, and then they <laughs> wanted to kill me afterwards and i'm like i never said it was great i said it was all right and they're like that was the worst movie so it definitely has its detractors and it was my family that thought didn't like it
1: yeah but, i i totally enjoyed it yeah. okay
0: so then but my, my family my personal family liked it. I just, I I like it it just, I can't believe it's even in the conversation of people at the end of the year. Like it was not a movie that I ever thought was anything better than a mid July, you know, B movie summer entertainment. If I was a kid, I was like, definitely going to see it kind of thing.
1: Yeah. That's what it was. And I loved it for that. Okay. Yeah. I didn't think it was, it was more than that. I, I, I I liked the creature. I liked the cloud. I didn't like the creature. Oh, okay. All right. wait, 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 I'm drumming (laughs) now for the top 10 of teal. Okay, here we go. At number ten, and could get bumped, Neptune Frost.
0: I'm sorry, I keep interrupting, but that's a there's there's certainly movies that we wish we could have seen. Both of us have not yes. seen Women Talking. Yeah. Uh, haven't seen that Bill Nye movie uh, Living. And then there's probably some other movies like E. O. and other things I really want to see. So
1: before this list is finalized, there's a few others that might get in there. And so at ten and nine, I have Neptune Frost and Eternal Daughter because. They're not the highest ones up on my list, and they could get bumped, say, by women talking or something like that. Um, So I put them at 9 and 10 for that reason. Gotcha. At 8, Northman. Yep. And I think that's an appropriate place for it. Uh, At 7, Triangle of Sadness. Mm Mm-hmm. Probably would have been higher if it wasn't for the stupid ending. (laughs) Uh, At six, a film we haven't really talked about yet, Decision to Leave.
0: Well, we did, but you hadn't seen it. Right. We haven't talked about it today, but I mean, I talked about it, you know, months ago.
1: Yes. And I tried to ignore you because I didn't want spoilers. Yeah. I droned on to nothing. (laughs) Uh, But Decision to Leave. uh, Yeah. That's a movie I recommend to the right audience. Yes. And number five, Pearl. Pearl Bailey. Yes. Yeah. Pearl is really good. And again, recommend to the right audience. My daughter uh, hates horror movies and I took her to see it and she loved it.
0: I think that horror it definitely is something that gets left off a lot of top tens and just as far as horror, it was a great year for horror. I think we had a whole episode on it, but certainly not even in my runner-ups. But a movie that's just a shout out because I really did enjoy it was uh, *Barbarian*.
1: <laughs> oh, I no, I would give. I I actually thought about *Barbarian* maybe making it into my runners-up, but if the film hadn't gotten so ridiculous at the end, I think it might have. It was really like the last ten minutes yeah. that I think, yeah, kind of took it.
0: See, if you didn't go all ridiculous, you might have had a couple of uh, top teners on your yeah, hands. Yeah, it's true.
1: It's true, but. Per- Okay. Okay. Uh, number four: Tom Hanks, Pinocchio. Okay. Not
0: did that joke's getting old.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna keep t- no. So here's the thing: I watched the Guillermo del Toro del Toro's Pinocchio, and that's a recent watch for you. It was uh, last night. Okay, and within minutes, less than minutes, within two minutes, I was transfixed by this movie. You,
0: you know, you're in the hands of of a master.
1: R- almost immediately. And then I thought, well, this is really good. And then my next thought was, this is better than good. This is magical. That's how I felt. That's how my wife felt. And my littlest, the oldest refused to watch it, but loser. I know. Yeah. So I haven't watched it with my family yet and I will, cause they want to see it, but I just had to get it in for the show. And uh, this is just a fantastic movie. And I was just blown away by it. It's, 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 I I I hate the Disney Pinocchio movie that came out, the Robert Zemeckis one, because it negatively affected this one. It confused in the audience's mind. And this movie is, I don't know, I could go on and on, but let's just say it's really good, it's fantastic, please go watch it. And after I was done with it, I, was, I said, okay, I gotta check out this Tom Hanks one. And I watched about 15 minutes of it, and it is the most dreary, uh, visually dreary. Se- the Tom Hanks performance is terrible. Uh, but the worst part about it is the script. It, it really showed me the difference in these two movies in the script. And in the Disney movie, Geppetto looks out the window and makes a wish. And in the Guillermo del, Torno mo- del Toro movie, Geppetto gets drunk and in a rage creates the... In, in a, Like a rage of grief and alcohol creates this puppet. Uh, and and it's just so much more emotional. And so the script in this Zemeckis one just explains everything. Everything is in dialogue. There's no subtlety. And this, I, I don't know, this Guillermo del Torno's Pinocchio is one of the better films I've seen in a long time.
0: I mean, I'm glad I kind of pushed you into watching it because it wasn't, you know, you knew it was there. I told you it was good, but it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to convince people how great something is until they see it for themselves. Well, and it's hard to sell like, you know, a stop motion
1: Pinocchio movie, right?
0: Well, not just, but just another Pinocchio movie. (laughs) I I was like, how many goddamn Pinocchio movies
1: do I need? Cause it's a story that I'm, I've never been very crazy about, but this found the elements in the story, uh to, uh, to, to, emphasize and, uh, and really found the emotional core of the story, I think. And that's why the film succeeds. Okay. So that was number uh, four for me. Number three crimes of the future.
0: It's pretty high up. It is. And that, of course, is the return of David Cronenberg, not just to making movies, but to kind of going back to some real Cronenbergian type of films.
1: Yes. And so, again, I realize this is a personal thing for me in that this movie just pushes all my buttons in a positive way and in a negative way. And uh it gets under my skin and it creeps me out and I find it funny and it gives me stuff to think about and the performance and the world created is just so totally unique and original. And it's just a weird little movie that uh, is just right up my alley.
0: So it didn't make my top 10 it didn't even make my runners up, but it's a great movie and I respect it (laughs) because I do. I respect, I respect that being that high up because I get that it's a certain type of movie that if it hits you the right way, yeah, it's good. And it should be championed, because I feel like it's a film that the kind of people that like Cronenberg movies really don't want to miss it. And also
1: just in, you know, I guess you could call it body horror, but it's not a horror movie. No. And that's one of the things that's great. You know, it's kind of a genre film, but it isn't really. It's more of a- It's its own genre. (laughs) Well, it kind of is. Number two, Banshees of Inisharan. Yeah, oh, you feckin' bastard. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. So, Banshees is and number two. We talked two.
0: about that last week. So, it's no surprise because you really were impressed with it. And again, a lot of these that you have in your top 10 are late watches for you.
1: They are. And, but Banshees has totally stuck with me. I, I like it more with each passing day. Uh, I. Think there will be many, you know. That was another thing when I was looking at my list. Is I was thinking, what which ones of these movies am I going to watch again? And I've already watched Banshees of Inisherin a second time. It, it holds up. Banshees is definitely I I foresee multiple watches in my future.
0: As a matter of fact, if I look at my list, the only one that I've seen twice is Banshees of Inisherin. Well, and it's the one that I'm most excited to see again. Well, that's the same with me. That's why I was like, I've got to see this a second time. So we've gotten up to two. And of course, we're going to save it because again, no surprise, we both have the same number one. So we'll reveal that at, after I get to most of my top 10 here. Um, on my side, the runner-ups were the Northmen. We yeah. talked about. Oh, good. Yeah. Nice. Yeah uh marcel the shell with shoes on
1: yeah which i haven't seen yet and i could see that definitely getting a runner-up place for me because it it looks like the kind of thing that appeals to me
0: you know it might have gotten my 10 slot perhaps had uh pinocchio not come along and just made it look right like, <laughs> like there's no comparison <laughs> i mean the tour of pinocchio is just amazing um another film that I really liked it. It was fun because I watched it with my wife and my oldest, and he just it it just knocked him out flat. He loved it, uh, loved it probably the most of the three of us. And I, I liked it, but I just didn't end up liking it at the end a little bit. So that kind of mm-hmm. killed it for me, which was All Quiet on the Western Front, which has gotten a lot of Oscar nominations.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't like it.
0: And you didn't like it, which I don't know. I mean, we don't probably have tons of time, but I'm kind of curious as to what was it that you didn't like about it.
1: Yeah, I can be very brief. Um, I think the film's incredibly well-made, I think. Uh, But ultimately, uh, so I'm a fan of the 1930 original. Okay. I know the story pretty well, and so there were no surprises in the story. I know all the deaths that are coming. And so it felt like a good retelling of the novel or the story. And But here was my issue with it, is that I didn't feel like it brought anything new to the war movie conversation. And I feel like it's almost a hundred years since the original and it doesn't bring a lot new to that story or to the war movie yeah, it ju- it just seemed like okay. I've seen all this before. Uh, this is just more war movie stuff. I mean, it's not a bad movie. I, I I don't disrecommend it. It's just for me personally, I felt like I'm just sitting through another two and a half hours of a war movie that's not really uh, given me a whole lot more to think about in terms of war. Like I w- I would
0: much rather watch Paths of Glory again. It's the only World War One movie he likes. Okay, so that was it was runner-up it wasn't in my top 10. Uh, then a movie that I we haven't really talked about but I, I really liked a lot um, only because I found it a weird take on the folk horror genre in a weird way is the menu. Yeah, I really liked
1: the menu. I, I don't know it didn't not the kind of thing I'd put on my list, but I did really enjoy it. Neptune Frost is more your <laughs> your, your cup of tea um, Well, you know the thing is I'm not going to be thinking about the menu a couple of years from now. And I'm still going to be st- telling people, I saw this crazy, weird movie called Neptune Frost. Okay. That's
0: totally insane. I will try to see Neptune Frost at some point. But okay, now onto the top 10. Prey is number 10. We okay. talked about that. Number nine is a movie that I saw in the theater, told you about. You finally saw it. It made your top 10 decision to leave.
1: Yeah, and that's we- Sean Wook Park. I knew we'd be coming around to it again now, so I didn't say a whole lot about it. The music is amazing. There's a lot of Brian De Palma in this movie.
0: There are some very careful camera setups. Yes. And that's one of the things that De Palma would do in a noir, and this is a noir, is that he thinks carefully about how he is going to dissect a scene. And it's not like what I saw in The Woman King, picking on that movie again, literally – it's shot, edit every two or three seconds. And after a while, it was becoming very obvious. Like yeah. they, they say a word, it goes to the reaction. It's this and that. There is just no style in thinking, how do I want to set up this scene? And when you watch something like Decision to Leave, you get very excited because you know that there's a director behind the scenes yes. who's thought very carefully of how they want to tell the story. In the first few
1: minutes of Decision to Leave, there's a scene with just like two guys in a room. It's, it's great. And there's a little desk, right? And there's a door behind them, but the shot, I was marveling at the shot and it's just a shot of a small, like waiting room. Uh, but the way the lines are organized. And the way the angle is chosen, it's a beautiful shot and thought went into it and care and attention and vision. And that's not what I'm seeing in these standard Hollywood style that we were talking about earlier. And if decision to leave uh, or when the American remake happens, (laughs) it's going to be shot in the standard American style and it's going to be freaking terrible because this movie is great because of its visual style, its editing, its approach to storytelling, its music, its uh, understanding of visual perception. And yeah, and and it's, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's a fantastic movie. And it's definitely in my mind, like elevated the film noir. It's like taken everything in the film noir and amped it up into this kind of almost operatic, uh, over-the-top. The (laughs) The ups and downs and twists and turns in the story are just uh, insane, and it's so fun.
0: Noir is one of my all-time favorite genres, especially neo-noir, and that's what this is. Yeah, And... When you know that it's a noir, you know that there's certain plot things are going to happen. And so those weren't a surprise to me. Oh, yeah. No surprises to me, but they were so enjoyable. It's how he decides to tell this story is so freaking enjoyable to watch. And when you shoot widescreen... A lot of the times, it's just, why are you bothering shooting widescreen? Because your characters are just in the middle and it's background. Right. There's just no reason to be shooting it other than some producer said, well, it'll look big on a IMAX screen or something. Right. And this film is so purposeful that I was so happy to see it on a big screen. It's just so enjoyable to watch. The movie is just so fun. I'm glad when I make a recommendation and you see it, you like it. That's good. Yeah. Now, this one you saw before me actually, um, and I have the exact same reaction as you, is the Triangle of Sadness is my number eight pick. Yep. And this thing could have, if for a while watching it, I thought it was going to be my new number one. Yeah. And then the last part, not as good, but the very like last couple of minutes, I didn't like it. I felt like it was almost weirdly like M. Night Shyamalan thing. I feel like it just undermines all that's been built
1: up before that. It just, yeah.
0: And I also had seen the trailer for it and I'd heard a little. So, unfortunately, I knew a little bit. And I guess if you go into this movie and you see it in a packed theater and don't know anything that's coming, it's quite the ride. Oh, I bet. Yeah. so, I did know a little bit. And so, those scenes weren't as much fun. But there's just this particular filmmaker. Now, I never saw The Square, but I I do want to watch it. Yeah,
1: I want to watch The Square. But
0: Force Majeure. Is one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I know I'm in good hands. And what I like about this guy and of course I don't know whether it's timing and whether it's good or bad timing but there's like a several movies that play on the elite rich and make a comment and one is the menu yeah. uh, then there is the White Lotus series yes. um, the new film that I've seen uh, David Cronenberg's son Brandon Cronenberg's uh, Infinity Pool which I'm not talking about and I yep. actually don't know if I'll ever talk about it quite honestly I, it's just a movie I don't think I can ever talk about Um, and then this movie, Triangle of Sadness. So some of the sting, I think, comes a little bit off, only because there's been a lot of other films commenting on this. But he does it in such a great
1: way. And he does it with really broad strokes, too. I mean, this is not intended to be a subtle movie. This is an over-the-top body comedy, in a way. And...
0: The scene with the models at the very beginning with the whole H&M and Balenciaga and then the placement where he does not he's the model, he doesn't get to sit where he wants to sit. Like (laughs) all of that, that whole first part, it was so intriguing because it's like, how is this adding up to any of the story? And it did, it was just great. So I just think it's one of the more audacious films I saw this year. Totally,
1: yeah. And it's just that last couple of
0: minutes. And I mean, you know, maybe I'd see it a second time and it'll grow on me, uh, that part. But I mean, I did like- Parts of it. Just if he had nailed the ending, it, 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 the movie could have
1: just taken off and been transcendent, and it just didn't – yeah, it's just – it's a disappointment.
0: Number seven is a cheat. I'm cheating because I've combined them, and I'm giving the seven spot to both X and Pearl together.
1: No, no, yep. no. That's yep. total
0: cheating. It's cheap because I love them both. Um I had more fun <laughs> in X and I love that it really captured that like late 70s, early 80s um, genre, uh, which by the way, X is, I think, st- is it on Peacock now? Oh, it is? Okay. It's, it, 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 and I only say that because it gives me my favorite joke. It's streaming on the cock. <laughs> <laughs> That's X, not a good joke. X no. is streaming on the cock. Um, <laughs> not, no,
1: not yep. a good,
0: not and, a good uh, But it doesn't look – I, I, so I watch a couple of minutes, and on on TV, it doesn't look anywhere near as good as it did in the theater as far as visuals. So that's interesting. Oh, um, interesting. Okay. And then Pearl's the one that I just walk away and respect the hell out of. It's such a great yeah. film. And if I could only put one of them on there, and I did what I want to do. Uh, uh pearl would be the one that would hit seven but i just including x because i love the idea that people would okay see both yeah no
1: okay, okay yeah pearl
0: would be the one that's in seven but it's great to see them both see pearl and then watch x sounds good top gun maverick number six yep. number five guillermo del toro's pinocchio as we just said, it's a
1: masterpiece.
0: It is. I mean, in in in, in many ways, it's the best of the entire ten what in, in, in weird ways. Um, I just you know yeah. we' were, we've been watching these movies that we're going to continue with the series. i I promise, And maybe we'll go into deeper dive on Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio when we do our next fascism on film. Yeah, um, but because we've been watching that, this movie has a really great take on tying the Pinocchio story into fascism. It totally does, yeah. And what it does with El Duce <laughs> is so great. I like puppets. These are puppets I do not like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just the movie is funny, um, but it's a point. I mean, again, we could go on and on at how great Pinocchio is, but I mean, it's it's a visual master too. It's like well, and I teared up. I did too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely cheered up. It was a very emotional movie. If a movie
1: can get me emotionally and be like a brilliant piece of filmmaking, you know, okay, sign me up for that. Uh, You know, it's a movie that I'm going to watch again and uh, look forward. I, I can
0: see, again, seeing that several times throughout my life. I will too. Number four, this this feckin' thing wasn't even on my top ten until I saw <laughs> it a second time. It was the Banshees of Inisherin, really uh, great. Number four, film. okay. Number four, number three. I am just holding fast with it, uh, even though I haven't watched it a second time, and maybe it'll maybe it'll diminish the second time. Is everything everywhere all at once? Yeah, again, I
1: totally respect that. It's a great movie. I have no complaints about all its accolades and success. I know it would have been more fun if I was the only one who liked
0: it and it didn't do well. And I'm like, why didn't people give it a chance? Um,
1: but no, everyone loves it. So you're, you
0: know, going with the crowd. And it is a fe- I guess if you think about it, it is a feel good movie. And you know what, this is a time where after three years, like people want something that makes them feel good. Absolutely. It's and you know, same with uh, top gun. Uh, number two, Again, when we talk about the things that you like, what what hits you on a personal level, this is where, for me, it just hit me on a personal level. I saw it in the theater. It was a really, really emotional, great experience in the theater. Haven't rewatched it. Don't know how it would play um, at home. But I will hold to my personal guns, and The Fablemans is my number two for the year. No. No. (laughs) I know you're just trying to get back because you're like, that bastard just ragged on me. I didn't, I I liked the Eternal Daughter a little bit. I just didn't like it. But I know that you are not, we've already had the Spielberg yeah. discussion in the in the to Gone. We're not going to get back into that. You have your personal, you like your personal Neptune Frost and Eternal Daughter. Um, mine is the Fablemans. And I realized when I was putting them like, you know what? I'm holding to my guns when I had that experience. I really- I think you should. My second time of watching Banshees is really good. That could easily go at number two. I'm like, yeah. you know what? No, I am, I am going to go with how I felt watching that movie and when I walked out of it. And so- and and since that movie has gotten none of the love this it's gotten none of the love. And I think it's
1: deserving. You know, I like the movie, but uh, you know, I didn't have that uh that that connection that you did, but I I respect that. I think that I I that's what I want out of a movie is that kind of connection.
0: Yeah, but that's why I think it's interesting if we all had the same top 10s. Yeah. You know, just because I don't <laughs> I didn't see Neptune Five, I can't comment it, but just because I didn't put some of those same movies on there, that doesn't mean I don't you know, like Crimes of the Future, I didn't think it was a top 10 for me, but I also thought it was a great movie and everybody should
1: see it who who likes good movies. I mean, the other thing is like we have a lot of the same top 10, but if you mix out my uh my runners up we pretty much have the
0: same top 10 yeah i mean you didn't like all quiet on the western front the way i didn't like the eternal daughter i guess but but anyways those are runner ups and we shouldn't have even mentioned them badass but okay so that was it too now number one and it's really no secret on both of our lists we'll say it at the same time on the count of three one two three tar, tar. <laughs> Yeah. Tar. To me, those other movies are all great in their own ways. And I may watch movies like many more times than I'll ever watch Tar. But to me, if I could take only one film as an example away from 2022 and say, this is what greatness is, Tar is the one. For me, there's
1: a real contest between Banshees and Tar. Interesting. I I mean, Tar is a masterpiece, but I think Banshees is too. And I, I think I... I think Tar is probably a better movie, but I enjoyed
0: Banshees more. But see, I think that, you know what, when I I was really crazy about movies in that I used to see tons of stuff and it was just everything in the theater, I would always make two two lists. Yes, the best and the favorites, right? Yeah, and sometimes they were the similar movies on there, but a lot of times, like for instance, in 1998, right, the best movie I thought that year was Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. However… My favorite film of that year and one of my all-time favorites, and I watch it almost every year, and we just watched it the other night again, is The Big Lebowski. Right. Okay. And I still put that on my top 10 best, but I didn't think it in terms of critique and best. However, if I reevaluated now and just went with one list, Big Lebowski would probably be my number one that year.
1: Well, and that's the thing, you know, 20 years down the line, what's, what's 25 years down the line, what's sticking with you? What's, uh what's going to last? And I think out of everything on my top 10 and my runners up, I think the two movies that are going to last are Tar and Banshees. And I think everything else is going to be pretty much forgotten in 10 years, except for Top Gun. I don't think. Pinocchio I think of Bench- Oh yeah sorry Pinocchio I think okay Pinocchio Top Gun Tar and Banshees I think are going to stick around
0: In horror but it's a very specific genre X and Pearl are destined to become classics
1: Yeah No they're destined to become cult classics Yeah My worst film of the year is that Nazi Pie movie. I didn't even make a worst film list. No, I don't Uh, make.
0: I mean, you know, I don't want to be pile on, but to me, there's been there was some also real stinkers I saw this year, and for me, the I mean, there's just the absolute worst thing I watched was that Nazi Pie movie. Yeah. Uh, I found it offensive on so many levels, but mostly from a filmmaking standpoint.
1: <laughs> it really is bad from a filmmaking st- standpoint. Uh, let me see if I can come up the with- The Gray Man. Was that it? What was it called? Oh, The Gray Man was dreadful. That was a terrible movie. Uh, I didn't see Morbius. I didn't see that. Um, the The two- uh, what's it called the thor that was definitely in my worst oh you know what i saw that was just shockingly bad i can't i, I, I mean i just kept watching it because it was such a train wreck what it, it took me three days to get through uh moonfall oh
0: my wife saw that she said it was terrible oh it's worse it, uh, I, <laughs> it's yeah, a, she likes those kind of things and even she thought it was terrible
1: yeah it, it it's not good
0: I find it hard because when, when a movie is really bad, I tend to try to block it out of my mind.
1: Yeah. I No, I had, I had blocked it out until uh, I'm just sort of going through my memory and seeing if anything uh, sticks
0: in it. But, I mean, The Woman King, honestly- I really do feel that it deserves a place in the worst. Oh, you know what? I'm I'm bringing up controversy so they can get picked up by the social media. Do you know what movie was one? If it wasn't for the Nazi pie movie, the worst film that I saw in 2022 was Firestarter, the remake oh that's a good pick and you know what the razzies should not have apologized they shouldn't have taken their nomination back the kid was horrible now do i blame (laughs) the kid look they want to be an actor the mom probably pushed them into it you know they're trying to make a buck it could have been a hit it probably went in with the best of intentions um it was the worst okay how do you make a movie that's worse than the Firestarter from the 80s? That movie looked like a freaking well, masterpiece next so to it. While,
1: okay, I'm going to add the black, fo- black phone to this bonfire.
0: Oh, I didn't see that, but I'm, now you're saying it's in the worst category. <laughs> yep, uh, and I'm also adding bodies, bodies, bodies. And it's funny because I know some people out there that I follow on social media that had that in their best horrors of the year.
1: I, I know people love that movie. They're wrong. That movie is terrible, <laughs> and those people should feel ashamed of themselves. Maybe it'll be streaming on the cock. <laughs> <laughs> no. We all use that joke in our family, by the way. I, I, I'm, uh, You should keep it in the family. <laughs> well,
0: because we watched that new Poker Face show with oh, Natasha yeah. Leon, so we're always like, and there's all like these commercials, so we're like, oh, they like, they have a preview for something else. They're like, streaming soon on the cock. <laughs> <laughs> It's not my fault they call themselves Peacock. <laughs> and it's a streaming service. <laughs>
1: uh, and you didn't see Puss and Boats. Oh, you did? No.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, but that's supposed to be actually okay. I just have, not, I mean, my kids have grown up. They don't want to watch movies like that, thank God. My kids saw it. My my oldest, every time uh, I flip the channels and Pulp Fiction's on, suddenly he appears out of nowhere <laughs> to watch. Like, yeah, it's like as you know. <laughs> catnip for him
1: um okay so we wrapping it up to, i mean is that it for 2022 you don't want to go on about moon age daydream or something oh you know what i was really disappointed by that i only
0: watched the first 10 minutes so i <sighs> i didn't i was all excited and then it just i don't know it didn't know what he wanted it to do and it really wasn't that good that is too bad. Yeah, but I mean, you know, look, we're we're gonna be keep we we keep watching movies. Yeah. we'll keep talking about films, and if we see some of those ones that we couldn't see from twenty twenty two, we'll we'll talk about them on the show, and maybe we'll say, hey, those are retroactively going on our top tens.
1: Yeah. And after you decide that you love Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. We can, <laughs> I'm never um, going to watch that.
0: <laughs> now, uh, now, I, that's the thing is when 2022 goes on, unless like one of us, my wife, or I, are interested in it, we kind of put that to bed. I've already seen a couple of movies from 2023. I've seen Megan yeah. uh, or as my son calls it. My M3gan. List, M3gan. And that movie was a hoot. I loved it. And then I saw... Uh, Uh, infinity pool in the theater with my wife. It was great to be back watching an independent type of film in a theater. Yeah. There's one other movie from 2022
1: that I liked and it isn't very good. You like, but it's
0: not good. That's interesting.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes a movie just like charms you and gets to you and you're like, yeah, I understand all the guilty pleasure. Maybe a guilty pleasure. Yeah. Although it's weird to put this movie in the guilty pleasure uh, box. Now you got to tell me. 3,000 Years of Longing.
0: Oh, and I wanted to see you. You have a thing for Tilda Swinton, I think. That's where do. the
1: eternal daughter thing okay, is. Okay, you <laughs> might, yes, I I think you're right. I do have a thing for Tilda Swinton. That maybe explains everything about the first daughter, but 3,000 Years of Longing, not the greatest movie, Uh, but I really enjoyed watching it and got caught up in it and liked the stories and uh yeah i really enjoyed watching it and i won't really recommend it because i understand why people don't like it
0: is it streaming on the cock <laughs> of course it
1: is <laughs> god
0: damn it now i'm gonna start in with this nonsense <laughs> <laughs> we have fun here uh kids on the show so anyways uh hope the this helps you in your decision making uh to see movies if you haven't seen them those are our recommendations. Uh, take them for what you will the movie that we hardly ever talked about on the top 10 program was the one we liked the best which is tar
1: but uh, (laughs) well didn't we do like almost a whole episode no i know that's why i
0: mean how much more are we going to talk about i mean if we could do a whole episode on something you know it was going to be our number one yeah um but i do love the fact that if i look at your list banshees of Inishirin, guillermo del toro's pinocchio uh decision to leave Eternal Daughter, Neptune Frost, are all movies you just watched in the recent past couple of weeks? No, Neptune Frost, I saw like three or four months ago. Oh, you did! I thought you just watched it because it just appeared on your your list. Because you know we keep a shared list. And no, uh, no, no, I watched oh, it like okay. I watched it like four months ago. But you didn't I, tell I, me about it. If you told me about it months ago, I might have watched it. Well, I don't know. It's because I was, it was, uh, it's so quirky. I didn't, uh, I I I just, uh, I'm a guy who's freaking spent the last. Two months watching a hundred of the weirdest movies of all time. <laughs> then you should watch this. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I, if I can sit through seven hours of <laughs> Satan Tango, okay? I know people, but I watched seven hours of that. And then I watched the an hour and 15 minutes of Daisies, which felt like 5,000 hours. I can watch Neptune Frost. Nothing. <laughs> okay. You can't throw anything at me anymore. I have been through the gauntlet okay. of the BFI Top 100. Okay.
1: Then, then you're up for Neptune Frost. And <laughs> uh, I look forward to hearing uh your
0: critique It sounds like it's a perfect film for the 2032 list. <laughs>
1: <Just> <laughs> well, like I-, I said, you know, there's only a couple of movies here that I would uh,
0: even be talking about in a decade. Okay. Anyways, uh people, you can catch us on uh stuffweseen.com, uh, Podbean, all those places we are not streaming on the cock. <laughs> oh man. I hope
1: that I hope that ends with today's episode. Maybe
0: it will, maybe it won't. I don't oh, know. Oh man. But anyways, uh people go see some stuff.
1: Bye-bye. Bye.